0: not the beginning. There are neither beginnings nor endings to the turning of the Wheel of Time, but it was a beginning.
1: Hello and welcome. This is The Wind Was a Beginning, a podcast about Robert Jordan's The Wheel of Time. This is season three, episode fourteen, Parents Playing Shoots and Ladders.
0: Hello, everyone. Thank you for being with us again this week. Justin and Steven here. Ready to keep talking more Wheel of Time. Steven, you doing alright this week?
1: I am. Doing well. Uh, enjoying the spring weather, although allergies are kicking my butt.
0: <laughs> yeah, that 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 tends to happen. Um, but uh, we'll get through it. We'll get through it. I saw something um, a couple of weeks ago uh, on Facebook uh, uh, something along the lines of, and, and I'll give credit where credit is due, uh, for Matt Mitchell, um, uh, comedian in, in Alabama, um, uh, said that, um, you know, mother nature is going to bake us really good this summer cause she seasoned us with pollen and then stuck us back in the fridge yep. to marinate.
1: <laughs> yep. Yeah. I really do think we may have a really rough summer this year. Uh well we've 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 been through it before. We will
0: survive.
1: Yeah. Uh But uh how are you doing? Your week going well?
0: It is. It it's going pretty well. You know, I I finally started going back to the gym this week. Oh. <laughs> and uh that's probably why I'm so tired tonight because it's kind of uh kicking my butt a little bit, but uh I I've been I've been slacking really bad for for a long time and uh finally just trying to figure out how to get back and get back at it and uh regain all the gains that I had made in the past <laughs> so
1: well, well props to you for going to the gym i don't do that my my gym is the world. I work outside. I would to say so. the way
0: your 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 work <laughs> is is a little bit more active than mine is though. <laughs> so yeah,
1: but I got respect for anybody that puts in the dedication to go to the, actually go to the gym. That takes yeah. effort and uh, the, determination.
0: The, <laughs> the the hardest part is walking in the door. Yeah. Or actually the hardest part is getting in the car to go. <laughs> uh if I can do that, I'm I'm okay, but uh yeah, once I get there, it's no problem. Oh, but uh, you know, our listeners aren't here for us to talk about uh, the weather or our workout habits or anything like that. They came to hear us talk about the wheel of time.
1: That and they did.
0: I, I came to talk about the wheel of time, so let's talk about the wheel of time. Sounds good. <laughs> what are we to what are we what 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 are we discussing this week?
1: So, this week, we are discussing chapters 35 through 37 of The Dragon Reborn. Uh, Listeners, anyone here in this that has not read those chapters yet, stop now. You have been warned. Go read them and come back. We will be here waiting on you, but we hope not to spoil this for anybody.
0: And if you do get spoiled, well, you've been warned. Yep. So, it's not our fault anymore. Don't blame us. Not to mention these books have been out for decades at this point. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it's, it's out there. Anyway, shall we get into it? We shall. All right. We will begin with Chapter 35, The Falcon. Perrin and company make a hasty, though calm, retreat from the town of Remen and they board the Snow Goose, a river ship bound for Ilian. Just as the boat is setting off, a woman jumps from the wharf to the deck and negotiates passage. She's the same woman from the inn, a hunter of the Horn of Valir, who believes that following the strange trail that Perrin and his group seem to follow might just lead her to the horn. Um, So this all, you know, we we left last week on a cliffhanger Mm -hmm. with... Perrin and uh, Gaul, was that the name of the Aiel? It was. Uh, they had just cut down maybe about a dozen white cloaks. Um, mostly Gaul's work, um, I think. But Perrin, uh, Perrin and his axe did, did a little bit of damage as well. And now we got to get out of town. And we need to get out of town quickly but Ran uh rather Lan's really calm about the whole thing, isn't he?
1: <laughs> In his <land-like laughs> way, um, uh, maybe... you know, land like way. Um I maybe go ahead. Lan like aggravated land is still pretty darn calm. Yeah. Uh you know, I would hate to see what it would take to get panicked land. <laughs> yeah.
0: I, I was I was gonna say maybe Maybe calm is is not the the best word. Maybe stoic. Yeah, he, he's very stoic, I and mean, he it's like you, you use the right right word too. He's not panicking. Yeah, uh, you know I would be losing my mind. Yeah, I I would be just you know I'd be running up and down the stairs. On a ev- everybody around would know that something was wrong.
1: I do get the feeling though that Lan when he sees everything that Perrin has done. I do get the feeling that he really wishes he could just grab Perrin and like toss him down the river. <laughs> uh, you know, you can tell like, he's staying calm, but he really is ticked off.
0: Oh yeah, I mean, absolutely. But he's 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 hiding it well, which is uh, exactly what you need in this situation, especially with you know some of these figures like the these hunters of the horn that are around. We know that. Uh, you know, there's probably a good chance there's more white cloaks somewhere in the not too distant vicinity. So, you know, just calm, collected. Let's get on our way, get out of town. Yeah, everything will be okay. Um, yep. and and to parents' credit, he tries to imitate. Uh, tries to force himself to do the same. I think he does a fairly decent job.
1: Yeah, I don't um, even know how much of it is forcing himself. I think a lot of it is just habits that he has picked up from being with Lan for so long.
0: Yeah. Well, there were there were a couple of things that were said, you know, it, it was worded as though, you know, he wanted to panic, but he wouldn't allow himself to, or something along those lines. Yeah. So that's why I kind of said it, you know, that he forced himself into it. Um,
1: oh, yeah, I, I agree with that.
0: But I he's just... he's he's trying to, you know, follow the example that Lan is giving him. Yeah. And and not doing a terrible job. Well, huh? not 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 doing a terrible job. Uh, Loyal has a completely different outlook on this, though, doesn't he? Right, <laughs> <laughs> and and maybe are we seeing a little bit of Loyal's relative youthfulness? I think Do you so. Think, yeah, yeah, that he's kind yeah. of excited to be off on another adventure.
1: Yeah, he's gotten he's romanticizing things because he's got his head in the books. Yeah. Uh, so, and I think we'll see this periodically with Loyal. He likes to, you know. He's got that author's mind, so he's thinking about things in those terms.
0: Well, and again, and he does admit that he's thinking about, you know, how he's going to write this in his book. Right. So, um, and, and Perrin gets a little frustrated with him about that, I think. Um, yeah,
1: it's just because but... Perrin, so it has so much inner turmoil right now and Absolutely. so much feels like so much is out of his control that he doesn't see any humor or any like lightheartedness in things right now. Like he's in a very dark headspace, in yeah. my opinion.
0: Oh yeah, for sure. Uh and with every, I mean, with everything going on around him and I, I still feel like and, and maybe this is more the, the next chapter, Perrin is really feeling that tug of war between fate and free will yeah you know and again i think that especially comes up in in the next chapter with him wanting you know think thinking about elias and you know his peace with his situation and then perrin saying no i don't want to end up that way yeah so he's he's facing that tug of war but maybe we'll say more about that in a little bit uh for the second episode in a row now, mm-hmm. we have someone leaping onto a boat just as it casts off. Yep. <laughs> Last episode, Matt did it um, as he was leaving tarvalin And now there's this uh, mysterious girl um, who leaps onto the snow goal. Is that the name? The snow goose. My My bad. Uh, there's the gray gull that Matt was on, right? Yeah, is that the name. Okay, so I got him. I got him mixed up. The snow goose, and she leaps onto the boat and negotiates passage. Says, "I'll go as far as he is going," uh, indicating Perrin. Yeah, and I got to be honest. Uh, if I'm Perrin, after this girl had been staring me down at the inn. Uh, She was there when he cut down the white cloaks, and now she jumps onto the boat and says, I'll go as far as he's going. I'm kind of thinking about throwing her over the side, too.
1: Yeah, but I mean, you got to give it to her. I mean, <laughs> she did everything Matt did in a dress. So, I mean, yeah, jumping onto a ship while it's casting off is no small feat, and, you know, What's he gonna? Do? Literally, that would be his only option. Would be to pick her up and toss <laughs> and, her in the and river. Toss
0: her. I'm just. I, I. I can sense Perrin's frustration with the situation, and I kind of sympathize with him a little bit. Yeah. Um. And it turns out the only reason she was staring at him back at the end was because she's the only one she couldn't figure out. Um. You yeah. Know, she obviously she said an ogier is an Ogier. Uh she got a good look at Moraine's face. She figured out that truth. That meant Lan was her warder. And that just left Perrin. And she yeah. was trying to
1: figure him out. Yeah, he doesn't really make sense to an outside, especially if you know what Moraine and Lan are. Yeah. Like
0: And or, and you know why you is have, this kid here? It's like you said, an, an ogier is an ogre. Yeah, why is this country farm boy? you know, traveling with an Aes Sedai, a warder, and an Ogier. Yeah. Uh, and what's up with his eyes? I don't <laughs> That That's a curious you know, thing, too.
1: She doesn't really even seem to pause about his that's, eyes. That's true.
0: I, I just thought about that. You know, she never
1: really makes any mention of it. No, it doesn't seem to so. be a thing for her. So it makes me wonder, you know. Has she maybe seen someone else with those kind of eyes before, or is she just not chalking it up to being anything too spectacular? I figured it out. She's the
0: daughter of Elias. Oh, okay. <laughs> She's a wolf sister. So. I, I guess. I guess so. Now, who is she really, though? You want to talk to us about who who this this young
1: woman is? Well, she's the uh the transformed, you know, uh, Moraine used magic, so she transformed Land's horse. <laughs> and that's who we're talking to right now. Right? Mandarb?
0: Um, <laughs> no, because cause, cause Mandarb's still there on the ship. Because Perrin points, you know, he, he laughs at the name at first. That was the name she was using.
1: Yes. And Perrin laughs just... at it and
0: says, hey... That horse over there, that's his name too.
1: (laughs) Yep. I just love that. Yeah. Uh so yeah, no, we have uh Serene Bashir uh on the hunt for the horn of Valier and deciding to her best bet to find it is to follow the odd group of uh people, especially and she's locked on to Perrin specifically and i think maybe she was puzzling about him before but then when she sees what he does with golf she's like mm, nope following that guy
0: <laughs> <laughs> she 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 does she tells him that that you know she's there's something strange about their group and she believes that following a strange trail is the key to finding the horn of valier yeah of course we know you know we, we know where the horn is.
1: I mean she's uh, not wrong she's just too late
0: <laughs> right right uh, well like I mean yeah had, I
1: guess if she had stumbled upon them like a book and a half ago <laughs> she she would have been in
0: the room when it was unveiled uh, unveiled yeah.
1: so um, I mean, she's got the right idea she just showed up at the wrong time <laughs> so, uh, oh. I do I do think it's interesting you know she brings up the other two hunters that are back at the inn, and then she yeah. has her own ideas. I think it's interesting, the locations that they are thinking about looking for the horn. Yeah. Aren't, uh, we, aren't both of them somewhat close to the two rivers? So, the Blackwood, I don't know if we're ever given a specific location. Um, I think it may be somewhere more in Gildon.
0: Well, I, I thought Perrin... You know, Perrin knew it as the Forest of Shadows. Okay. And said that it was just to the south of the two rivers, I thought.
1: Oh, okay. Is what I he missed said. On my reread, I must have missed that one. I know, you know, she of course, she name drops Manethrin.
0: Of course. As yeah. as one does in casual conversation.
1: Yeah. This long dead uh, kingdom. Yeah. So. Uh, but she's less concerned with Manethrin and more concerned with other possible places in the Mountains of Mist, uh, which is interesting. I just like, you know, it's flushing out the world a little more. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you have this chain of mountains that the two rivers is near that holds who knows how many secrets. It's uh, it's very mysterious and very much like a fantasy mountain range, you know? Yeah. You don't know what you're going to find. Uh, and I just thought that the the whole mention of the Blackwood kind of reminds me of like, you know, there's a lot of European folklore, uh, that deals with a similar type, like a wood that uh contains all type of monsters and beasts and uh, things like that. So I sure. I thought that was a fun little reference there. Yeah.
0: So so I pulled up a map, and yeah, the uh, Forest of Shadows on on you know, one of the I guess published maps of the two rivers is um on the other side of of Devon Ride, which is south of Emmonsfield. Okay. And and across, I think it, I think it says the White River. Gotcha. Um, so I don't know, it may technically be in Gildon, but it's 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 not too far from from where our young blacksmith grew up yeah um so he's he's familiar with that space too yeah but interesting that they i guess that's interesting that they both have ideas uh about you know about where the horn might be and they're both kind of in a relatively same general vicinity yeah um so that's kind of interesting of course they're both entirely wrong because we know the horn was in uh faldara
1: <laughs> going yeah. way
0: on back to book one and now it's is it is it in tarvalon it is okay yes at least um, as
1: far as we know okay uh, uh that's the last
0: place we saw it yes because yeah that's because the um uh the group that was with Varen. Mm-hmm. they had it with them and they, they took it to Tarv Island. Uh, so we're going to assume that it's still there. Uh, let me get back to my, my notes. I had to look over there at that, uh, at that map. Um, well, we, we talked a little bit about her names. um, Zirin, um Mondarb. But then she gives Perrin another name. Yeah. And I always pronounced this a, a different way when I was reading it, but I was listening to the audio book. He pronounced it, fa'il. Yep, fa'il, fa'il, fa'il. Yeah. And um, Stephen, what does what does fa'il mean?
1: It means falcon. Where have we heard about falcons? I was especially with Perrin. I was gonna ask.
0: Should that mean something to us? <laughs> uh <laughs> well, as so, it turns out i was I was looking back over old notes, and I mean, it's brought up here in the chapter as well that one of the things that men saw around Perrin was a falcon on on his shoulder, and it, specifically a female falcon, yeah, um, I believe the vision as it was written, was both a falcon and a hawk, both female um
1: well there was it was two visions but they also intertwined so yeah. she specifically saw the falcon perched on his shoulder but then she saw a falcon and a hawk around him almost if they were f- as if fighting
0: so i think uh, i think we might be getting ahead a of
1: uh okay i may be jumping ahead yeah i
0: think you're thinking of Egwene's dreams okay <laughs> As far I as I know, or at least what I had written down for, um, and I could be wrong. I'd have to go back and look at it. it. Was at least what I had written down for men's visions was a falcon and a uh, hawk on his shoulders. Both of them were female. Okay, uh, but uh, we we'll, we can cross that bridge when we come to it. Um, I mean, I guess. Do we think we found our falcon?
1: I mean, I think it's hitting the nail pretty well on the head there. I don't <laughs> think there's any other option. Yeah. I think Perrin knows that too by the time he starts going down that ladder. He he uh, does.
0: He he does and uh he he I think he's kind of mad at men for it. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that how the chapter is like men, why do you have to see things?
1: Yep.
0: Um yeah. I just had, had one other thing that kind of struck me as funny. Uh, as I was reading, the way that uh, Fahil keeps calling him farm boy. um, I don't know. Did you get a Princess
1: Bride <laughs> vibe out of that? Um, yeah, but that's not where my mind goes first. Oh,
0: I was going to say, because I'm, I'm just waiting for Perrin to respond with as you wish.
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh, I wish. Now, I mean, <laughs> honestly, in my mind, uh, the banter here—it, I know this is gonna uh sound probably not make a lot of sense to a lot of people, but to me, it's very much like uh Lois Lane and Clark Kent.
0: Yeah, you you went over my head.
1: <laughs> okay, so like uh, especially anybody that w- grew up at the same time as us, through there was a show called smallville
0: oh yeah you were a huge fan of that show back in the I day i was yeah um, i remember it's that. all
1: about like the growing up clark kent before yeah. superman and all that okay but very much so lois lane in comics and in smallville specifically constantly is making fun of clark for being this country bumpkin a farm boy you know he's he's actually superman Right, but she she's just making fun of him because you know he grew up on a farm, he lives a pretty simple life, and you know she's all in, you know, reportery and like a woman of the world and all this. And it it to me, it just the banter there really like reminded me of that relationship <laughs> as well.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. So
1: that was where my head went.
0: Okay, hey, no no worries there. I I've never been a a big Superman fan. <laughs> um. Give me a Batman movie any day of the week.
1: Oh no! Um,
0: sure. Oh no! Uh,
1: Batman's okay.
0: Yeah, but... uh, I don't know. Maybe it's the. You know me. I was the. I was kind of the dark and broody kid when we were growing well, up.
1: Well, yes, yes, you could <laughs> definitely have more in common with Batman. <laughs> yes, I I could see that.
0: In uh, these days, I'm a, mostly a, a Marvel uh, fan. Uh, I don't really do a lot of comics anyway. Just watch the movies. Maybe some shows, but, uh, you know, um, moving right along, shall we? Sure. Anything else in Chapter 35, I think? Uh, No, I think we're ready
1: to to pretty much move into the next one.
0: All right. Chapter 36. Daughter of the Night. Finally feeling comfortable enough to sleep, Perrin drifts into a dream and is greeted by the wolf Hopper. Hopper shows him a meeting of dark friends, and worse, before warning, warning him to be wary of the danger of this place. Perrin gets a firsthand experience of that danger when he witnesses Rand killing Shadowspawn with the power, only to have his friend turn on him, leaving Perrin in pain and with a small burn on his chest when he wakes. Meanwhile Rand awakens to realize that he had nearly killed one of his friends. He realizes he has to be careful but isn't willing to take any chances with anyone he doesn't know he can trust. Um so we get two points of view in this chapter first with Perrin and then with Rand. And Perrin's is I guess about half of it is taken up with this dream and the other half um I guess, his conversation with Moraine afterwards. Right. Um, which you know, I mentioned before, you know, I think I already kind of covered this, you know, him feeling that pull between fate and free will, because he he feels himself getting tugged toward the wolves, but he also says that is not the life that he wants. Uh, even if it works for Elias, it's not the life for him. Yeah. Um, and And that's kind of what leads him into this dream is he finally he feels like because he can't sense the wolves uh in, in his mind because they're traveling so fast down river he finally comfortable enough to go to sleep
1: yeah after days
0: yeah so and sleep and dream he does
1: yeah uh, So, I think it's interesting that, just this little tidbit. uh, So, right, the last thing he thinks about before he goes into the dream is how much he hates the axe. And then, immediately when he enters the dream, he's surrounded by all the fog, and his first instinct is to go for the axe. Right. And the axe isn't there. It's not
0: there. I I picked up on that, too, and I, I wondered if... You know, those two the him wishing he had never seen the axe had something to do with that.
1: Yeah, I I think it oh. did. Uh so I just found that to be a little interesting tidbit there. Uh
0: yeah. yeah I'm, glad, we, I'm glad you brought that up because I like I, said, I picked up on that too. Yeah. And it does it gives us still gives us insight into where Perrin's mind is. Yeah. Right now.
1: Um And also the Dane continuing to show us the dangerous nature of the dreams, you know, just a stray thought like that
0: can change things. And, and he's without, without his weapon. So I, I would say at this point, anytime we're in a dream that seems this real, we're probably in the world of dreams in some shape, form, or fashion, right? Correct. And so that, that's what's going on here, and that's where Perrin meets Hopper. Um, who, let me think, Hopper, we were introduced back to him back in the first book. Yeah. He was running with Elias and uh, was end up getting killed. Uh, was that in the battle with with fight with the White
1: Cloaks? So Hopper is defending Perrin. And is then speared and killed, and that is what sends Perrin into that wolf rage, right. where he actually kills the where White Cloaks. Where he
0: kills the White Cloaks, right.
1: Uh, the reason Perrin murders the White Cloaks in the very beginning is revenge for Hopper.
0: Okay. But but here's Hopper, um, maybe yeah. not alive, but well. <laughs> yeah.
1: Much uh, to Perrin's confusing.
0: Yeah. Do, doing, doing quite... Quite well, even even find out a little bit later on, Hopper can fly, yep,, uh, which was something he he always dreamed of. yeah,, uh, so good on, good on you, hopper. but uh, there's some serious stuff that that goes down in this dream. Um, two meetings I guess we we can we can talk about. First of all, there's this meeting. Seemingly between Baal Zaman and a number of dark friends, almost as though he has pulled them um in their sleep into this world of dreams where he can um uh what what's what's the word uh chastise them yeah uh th- threaten them
1: <laughs>
0: yeah <laughs> um, I think
1: that's very much what's happening here, I think yeah. From what they say, all these men were dreaming, and he pulled them into wherever this is, right? Uh, Which is a terrifying thought.
0: Um, Yeah, and and I'm my guess would be these were some of the same dark friends we probably saw at the beginning of Book Two, in the prologue, that were getting instructions from Baalzamon.
1: Probably, yeah. At least that's where my mind went
0: because he, he told them you know they all had tasks to to fulfill and some had succeeded and some had failed. Yep. And um one fella who must have really failed um, doesn't have a doesn't have a pleasant dream.
1: Nah. <laughs> a dream and, he'll never wake from.
0: Yeah, basically I, I the way I described it is he, he got erased. Yeah, because it's like he just you know slowly started to fade away, and then was just gone, and uh, all for letting the boy escape Tarvalin. Wonder who that could be. Hmm. <laughs> I don't know. Any, any was boys Tom we know? Maryland, wasn't it? Any any boys we know that have escaped Tarvalin recently? <laughs>
1: uh, just one exceptionally lucky one.
0: <laughs> or or is he that lucky? We don't know. I guess that remains to be seen. Depends on what game he's playing. Yeah. Um, but that's not the only meeting we witnessed. There's also a, a, a rather brief meeting uh, between Zaman and a figure that Perrin recognizes by sight. Someone he apparently has seen in his dreams before, but did not know her name until now. Yeah. Um, of course, A woman we know. Who
1: whispers of glory.
0: The woman who whispers of glory. The woman who seems to think dreams are her domain. Yeah. Um, none other than one of the Forsaken, Lanfear herself. And uh, this conversation is uh, quite interesting, don't you think?
1: I do. Uh,
0: anything? Uh... Anything you can? <laughs> anything we we need to? Point out about this conversation. I mean, I guess there's a couple of things, maybe, but
1: I mean, there's all kinds of stuff. It just depends yeah. on what you want to talk about. There's yeah. hints of Lanfear's past. There's yeah. the whole dynamic between her and Balzaman, which seems off. And that—that's that. I think that's what
0: I really picked up on, and and Perrin, I think, seems to pick up on it a little bit too, because he's even mentioning about her her defying the shadow. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it almost feels like there's a a tension between them, but you know, Lanfear continues to insist she's she serves the Great Lord of the Dark. Yeah. So what what are we what are we seeing? What what let's what are we to make of this brief meeting between Baalzamon and Lanfear? What's going on? I don't know. Um
1: I want to say more, but I <laughs> I feel like if I say too much I'll be spoiling stuff. Yeah,
0: yeah. It's um, just, you know, makes you uh makes you wonder about Balzamon and is he all that he seems to be? Yeah. Or all that he claims to be.
1: Yeah. Because um, Lanfear does not seem phased by Balzamon. Not not at all. Uh, despite she, her claims that she is loyal to the Dark One, uh, to the Lord of the Dark, she does not seem to take Balsamon very seriously. Yeah. So. Uh, but yeah, it's it's interesting. Um, it also speaks, I just wanted to bring this up, but it does kind of speak to Lanfear's commitment to the Dark and to Lanfear's personality in general. In that uh, he, Balzaman makes reference to the fact that when she betrayed the light and swore to the Dark One, she of course had to do it in the most dramatic fashion possible. Mm. Instead of just running off and swearing allegiance, no, she went before the Hall of Witnesses. She went basically, she went into a crowded room full of all other the other eyes and openly in front of everyone. Declared herself for the dark one, so wow. <laughs> I mean, it's just uh shows uh, you the kind of person she is, yeah. Um,
0: and uh, and I think we've 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 heard this before, but um, uh, she did not like Iliana. No, <laughs> uh, nope. I guess she, she she seemed to think that maybe she stole Lewis Theron away <laughs> pretty much. Um so that will be an interesting dynamic to uh pay attention to going forward. Yeah. Um but how how do you know what what brings us here? It's Hopper that that leads us to this.
1: Yeah, which to me I wanted to ask you about that cuz it's Yeah. It is always has seemed a bit strange to me uh that Hopper even knew this meeting was happening and like decided that Perrin should come to this meeting. Um, cause the only other time we've seen Hopper, like parent wasn't sure if it was Hopper or not was this like warning of not coming here to the dream. Yeah. Um, and so now Hopper's just reading, leading him along. It just seems ao- odd to me. I wanted hmm. to get your opinion. What do you think? Uh I,
0: I really don't know. I mean, you know, we know I guess you know, Hopper is is there. Uh maybe he just flew overhead and and, and maybe there was a big sign, you know, dark friend meeting here on <laughs> Thursday at five o'clock.
1: <laughs> no. I mean not. seems a little convenient, but <laughs> who knows?
0: I really don't
1: know. Um but do you do you think, I guess my question is this. Do you think Hopper came to this realization on his own? Or do you think someone left a trail of breadcrumbs that Hopper followed? I guess that's what I'm getting at.
0: Hmm. I guess the next question would be, if, if it is someone leaving a trail of breadcrumbs, who left the trail? hmm And Why? Maybe it was unintentional, but I don't know. Uh, Just throwing out some ideas. Sure. Uh,
1: But past that, uh, you know, other than the the last minute reveal of Hopper being able to fly now, and (laughs) all the questions that Hopper brings up of how on earth he's here, even though he's dead. Yeah. uh, Did you have any other thoughts about this first section? dealing with the dream
0: no i don't i don't think so um you know just um you know when uh, we get the the scene shift and we we see rand now and you know fighting a lot against shadow spawn and dark friends uh one thing that i did pick up on is uh we had that sulfurous smell again yep perrin picked up on that some and it was something he said it's distinct from the murderous smell so he knows it's it's something different but still i guess you know no clear indication of what it could be but uh it keeps coming up yeah. so it's something to pay attention to and of course we we get a i guess a first hand account that you know uh this place this world is dangerous because yeah Rand. I, I would guess, you know, Rand probably in a moment thinking that Perrin was a dark friend, you know, wearing his friend's face uh, like he had encountered before. Uh, he lashes out with the power, which wakes Perrin up, but Perrin's been affected by it. Yeah. Uh, he's he's in pain, and he has this uh, little, little burn on his chest.
1: Yeah, well... If I'm correct, I think what Rand does is he basically hits Perrin with lightning.
0: I, I think <laughs> that's suggested as we get a little bit further into the chapter, yeah. I think yeah. when it first happens, just like a, a blinding light and, and this searing pain. Yeah. And then Perrin's got the the burn mark. But I think, yeah, he kind of figures out that that's what happened. Yeah. Um, but he he's not gonna just... Um, you know, he's not gonna just let this one slide without uh at least talking to Moraine about it.
1: Yeah, he finally decides to try and get a few more answers out of yeah. her, I think. I'm I'm sure
0: um, he I'm sure he when he knocked on the door, I'm sure he waited before barging in this time too. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> at least he didn't find her the same way he did last time. For for parents' sake, uh uh poor child was uh uh thoroughly embarrassed by that but yeah um and the thing is i guess moraine doesn't really have a lot of information to give him yeah just tells him to be careful she does you know mention you know even though she doesn't think he can channel um that wouldn't stop the red aja from trying to gentle him and you know probably killing him in the process
1: yeah the um, gentle first ask questions later
0: yeah so um so, but, so uh, Perrin, and then and they' they're not the only ones who would kill Perrin because of what he is yeah so so parent parent needs to be careful uh one, one thing that I really picked up on was uh their disagreement over which steps they they should take next. Because I get the idea that Perrin seems to think that with Landfear on the loose, uh, knowing that she's on the loose, that should be their priority, is yeah. going to, you know, take care of her. But of course, Moraine, you know, still believes that the right approach is to follow Rand, or even if she can, to beat Rand on the way to Tyr. Um, which to me, it just. Um, to me, the way I read it was these are two people who have been in the fight for decidedly different lengths of time. Yeah. You know, Moraine knows that you don't just go charging into the fight. You you plan, you strategize, you, you know, you watch the situation carefully. You know, Perrin's just ready to head on, hit in there, charge in there headlong. Yeah. And fight. Uh, Moraine yeah. knows there's a better approach.
1: Perrin, <laughs> especially at this age and at this point in his life, is very reactionary.
0: Yeah, for sure. Whereas
1: Moraine is very much playing the long game. Um, you know, she's playing this 3D chess game that she's been playing for the last 20 years. And, you know, probably has moves planned out for another 20 going forward. Yeah. Uh, and so... She takes and, into stride when she gets new information, but she's not really letting it deviate her plans. Yeah.
0: And meanwhile, Perrin's playing shoots and ladders.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, he's just basically reacting to things as they come. Uh, you know, he's not doing a lot of thinking about the future other than his own internal thoughts about the wolves. He's not really letting himself think any further than the next village. Right. So, it's just a very different way of looking at the world right now. Yeah. And, two, Perrin is just reacting with his gut instinct of fear, of, okay, Forsaken, bad. We need to not have the Forsaken (laughs) running around. Right. But he's not really even gotten to the point of thinking of, like, okay, yes, we know that they're loose, but we don't know where they are, we don't know what they're doing. Like, he just wants to chase off on a direction without having any idea where, you know, what that direction even is.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Any other thoughts on that?
0: Uh, just that, um, you know, Perrin also needs to be careful around uh, Zirin, um or Fael or whatever she wants to call herself. At least that's what Moraine says.
1: Yeah, but for decidedly <laughs> different reasons than what Perrin is yeah, out.
0: yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, she's so. she is Saldan. I think Moraine reveals that to us, yeah. Um, and it's an interesting name, uh, details are in the text. Go read it. Uh, mm-hmm. not much to say there, I don't think. Or, or should we mention it? I don't know.
1: No, uh, uh, just can... that, uh, she's very much does not like her name.
0: That's true. She doesn't like it. Yep. Um, so. Yeah, that, that says something about her. All right. Uh, what in the world's going on with Rand?
1: So I think poor Rand is becoming even more paranoid. Because
0: you you because think?
1: isolated himself to, so much. Um, and maybe rightfully so, given what we're alluded to has been happening to poor Rand. Yeah, I,
0: um, that, that's the thing is, you know, I don't blame him for... Being so paranoid because of everything he's been dealing with, especially in his dreams. Yeah. But at the same time, Rand, come on, man.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, uh. and apparently, based off what happens here at the end of the chapter, he might be right to be paranoid. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> because, you I mean, he has these people come up, and he's just, like, playing along, and all of a sudden, and then... Wham! He just like flips a switch, and they did.
0: Yeah, not <laughs> even he's
1: not taking chances.
0: Not, not at all. Um, and, and he's right. That's <laughs> true. That's true. There was the uh, the the extra guy. Yeah. Um, whoever that might have been. I mean, um, I
1: think we can pretty much assume it's another gray man.
0: Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, yeah. He, obviously, he ran. Didn't see him before. You know, he yeah. was he was firmly convinced there were only 10 guards. Yep. And then there's this 11th guy who had a dagger in his hand, not wearing any armor either. So yeah. Um, Must've been hiding, hiding away where they uh, he couldn't be seen. Yep. So yeah, I guess, you know, ran, m- maybe he sent something.
1: Um, I think he's just gotten to the point that, Anyone that is in any way suspicious, he's not going to ask questions. He's going to act and then ask questions later. It's a dangerous like th-
0: road to walk down.
1: Yeah, I think he's gotten to that point. Yeah, uh, he's so harrowed, and he, you know, it's just he's his nerves are frayed. He is not taking any more chances because he's seeing the shadow trying to manipulate him every which way, and so. Unless he knows for sure that something's on the up and up. If he has any doubts, he's going with his gut.
0: Uh, I have a fear that that might get him in trouble. Yep. Because uh, the next group that he murders in cold blood may not have a gray man in it. Yeah. May just actually be a merchant and her guards. <laughs> yeah. And that's what worries me about, about this situation, is that Rand is going to, you know, kill somebody who's innocent. And he very well might. And may have already done so. I don't know. I mean, do we know that this group knew that there was a gray man among them?
1: Uh, um, that's a good question. I'm going to look. I don't I, think there's any indication I of through it. it um, I thought that there was a slight inclination to the fact of who, what it, they were, but.
0: I see. I never picked up on anything until right there at the end when there's just the extra guy there. Rand tells him something like, you picked the wrong company. But, you know, it sounds like he's the one that's the wrong company. Yeah. The gray man, I mean.
1: Yeah. Let me see. No, yeah, not really any uh, indication one way or the other.
0: So yeah, they could have been just as innocent. And just yeah. kind of they they could have been in the wrong place at the wrong time. Yeah. Oh, so Ran Ran's gotta be careful. Uh worry about that guy. Yep. As we probably should, but um we got others to uh, check in with yep in chapter 37 the fires in kyrian Egwene, elaine and Nynaeve make their way down river aboard the blue crane evidence of kyrian civil war greets them all along the river but Egwene's thoughts are largely focused on her dreams A sudden stop finds the three women continuing to the next village on foot where well, they're met by a mysterious figure clad in brown and gray. So I did have a thought at the beginning of this chapter is at the beginning of this chapter is everyone except for Rand on a riverboat now?
1: <laughs> yes, and not only just riverboat, they're all on riverboat named after birds.
0: That's true because let's see, <laughs> there's there's the gray gull here. We're on the blue crane, and what was the other one? The uh, the snow goose. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, um, I don't know. Just thought that was an interesting (laughs) little, uh, little tidbit that everybody except for Rand was cruising on down the river. Oh yeah. But Egwene and her company are doing a little bit more than, than cruising down the river. Um, they are posing as Aes Sedai while they're on this trip. Yeah. And and then the attention brought to that was a Gwen wearing her uh great serpent ring on her right hand. Yeah. Which the accepted are not allowed to do. They're specifically supposed to wear it on the third finger of the left hand. So they're they're pretending uh to be full fledged Aes Sedai to and, and nobody on the ship is questioning it, at least not that we see. Um they're bowing, they're, you know, respectful. All of that kind of thing, so I guess it's working so far. Yeah, I guess so. Are you?
1: Uh, it makes me wonder if the Omerlin knew what they were up to, if she'd approve or not. Yeah, you know, her uh, her hounds pretending yeah. to be us and I.
0: Yeah, it's one of those things that makes you wonder, you know, necessity and whatnot, but you know. Uh, it's also uh, one of those lines is maybe one of those lines you shouldn't cross. Yeah. So, um, but the, the captain of this ship is not even questioning it. He's a tarvalan man. man, um, has great respect for the Aes Sedai. So, uh, which almost makes you wonder, you, you know, I mean, and I think he had some, some thoughts about, you know, their youth. But he just kind of went along with it, yeah. Or at least he seems to, anyway. To
1: not ask questions of I Sedai.
0: I. That's probably a good idea. Yep. Um, so let's so, talk about dreams.
1: Yeah, Egwene is having more and more dreams, and is understanding less and less.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, first of all, she she's been wearing the um the stone ring most nights uh i think there's a thing it's mentioned there's a couple of nights she didn't wear it when one of the other women wore it but um you know she's been wearing it most nights but really hasn't learned anything she she keeps finding herself in the stone of tear not really getting any answers there and definitely not getting anything about the black aja so i know that's frustrating um Mm -hmm.
1: No Sylvie to give no, no, her answers. No
0: Sylvie to guide her. Uh, that could be a good thing. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but it's the the dreams that, uh, you know, her her other dreams that are quite interesting and are, are really the major focus of, of this chapter, I think. Uh, so we'll probably spend a little bit of time with it. Sure. Um, Just just a few minutes, anyway. I don't want to be too long, but uh, there's quite a bit, quite a number of things that Egwene sees, um, in these dreams. Some of it, I think, you know, maybe we can say something about others. We just have to take a wait and see approach, right? See if anything happens. Um, So it begins with her seeing Rand holding a sword that blazed like the sun. Yeah. Um, And of course, I guess we probably know what that is. That's his sword made from the power. Has she, she hasn't seen that before, has she?
1: Uh, No, she has not.
0: I didn't, I didn't think so. So it's, it's, it's new to her. It's familiar to us, but it's new to her. But I, I would guess that's, that's what she's seeing is, um,
1: do you think that's what she's seeing? Because I had a different interpretation. Are you
0: thinking Kalendor? Yeah. I guess that's possible, too. Um, I don't know. I guess my first thought just went to the, the sword that he makes from the power. But I guess Kalendor could be it as well.
1: I mean, I guess it could be either one.
0: Yeah. We, we, I guess both. we'll find out. I guess we'll find out. The second thing she sees about Rand is just him being threatened. I think it says in like a dozen ways. Yeah. None of them in the least bit real, but um you know, Rand easy to believe why Rand would be threatened and then the 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 next one kind of I guess falls into the that same thinking is Rand. This this was such a vivid image of Rand on the the giant stones board. Yeah. And he's got these two, you know, they got the 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 white and black stones that are as large as boulders and two monstrous hands that are moving them around and trying to crush him under them. I guess the the thought that I had was: is this you know danger on two fronts? Yeah, right. Because there's there's two two players to the game. So yeah, uh, Rand. I think there
1: there are multiple parties right now that are trying to manipulate and control Rand. Some for good, some for bad, and various people in between.
0: Ooh, is that the the white and the black stones? Yeah. You know, some good, some bad. Yep. Because
1: um, the Tower and Moraine, despite whether they have good intentions or not, are definitely trying to manipulate and control them. Yeah. So, uh. but then at the same time, we have folks like... Balsamon and Lanfear who are also trying to manipulate and control him.
0: Right. And who knows how many others. <laughs> yeah. Um next we get a few things about Perrin. Uh there's Perrin with a wolf and a falcon and a hawk and the falcon and the hawk are fighting.
1: <laughs>
0: yep. Um Perrin with a wolf, I guess we are probably from we, we probably we know what that is yeah Egwene has seen that before because she had that she walked into one of Perrin's dreams yeah um, and hopper and hopper took her out yeah <laughs> um we know now what the falcon or who the falcon is i uh, yep. don't know about the hawk um apparently they're gonna fight they're gonna yep. fight over perrin they're gonna fight about perrin <laughs> Um, next we have Perrin running from someone deadly. Um, seems kind of generic. Don't you think? It does a little bit. I'm sure there's some specificity to it that we're going to find out, but right now it just seems, uh, kind of generic. This, the next one though, is what's really interesting, uh, about Perrin is him, him stepping willingly over the edge of a cliff. And he says it must be done. I must must learn to fly before I reach the bottom. Yep. What in the world, Perrin? (laughs) Or or what in the world, Egwene? What are you dreaming?
1: (laughs) I'm pretty sure I know, but I can't say anything. Yeah,
0: you can't say anything. And see, that's the thing, is I look at all of these and you know, operating under the assumption that Egwene is a dreamer. That means she is seeing things, you know. What you know, see, seeing parts of the pattern, something like that in well, her dreams.
1: I will say this so I think there's a difference between a dream and one of men's viewings, right? Um, the dreams are much more fluid and open to change. I think what, what she sees in a dream can be glimpses of things that are happening or things that might possibly happen okay but they aren't set in stone okay um it's the same thing with like the prophecies and things like that uh there's this level of yes some of them might come to fruition but at the same time there's fluidity about okay and change that can happen uh they can still be stopped you know uh as opposed to a men viewing, which is set in stone, it will happen, okay
0: all right so so yeah, may, maybe not be too rigid with these, but keep an eye on you know keep an eye on them and see if anything comes comes to fruition out of these. um you know, you mentioned her seeing things that are are that are happening, and you know she has this dream of an ideal that she thinks has to something to do with Perrin. yep, well, we know. You know, Perrin has had a recent uh, encounter with an Aiel. Uh, Saved a man from a cage and slaughtered some white cloaks with him. Uh,
1: What a fun day. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, There's this dream. Go ahead. uh, We get a brief mention of the fact that she has a dream about men. Yeah.
0: Uh, Springing a trap, but somehow walking through it. Yep. Without so much as seeing it. Uh, which we haven't seen men in. When was the last time we saw men?
1: Last time we saw men was uh, uh, when Moraine sent her off. Okay. Yeah, Moraine sent her after Rand disappeared. Moraine sent. Uh,
0: That's right. Her to the tower. She sent her off by herself. Yep. Okay, but we haven't seen her since then. Nope. Okay, wow. All right, man, I hope you're okay out there somewhere. Yep. Uh we get some dreams of Matt. Um dice spinning around him. That that seems pretty uh straightforward, I guess. Uh and then there's the next one. Do we want to go ahead and talk about this one or do we want to finish kind of going through the list of dreams first?
1: Um I think we can go ahead and talk about this one.
0: All right. So she has this dream of Matt being followed by a man who was not there. Yep. Followed by a man who was not there. Um, which, you know, when you fir- first reading it, it's like, okay, that's kind of curious. But then later on, Egwene has the realization that he's being followed by...
1: A gray man.
0: Alright, these guys are popping up way too often lately.
1: Now, do you think that the one that she is seeing here, do you think it is the one that we're already aware of, that he knocked off a roof? Or do you think this is another one following Matt?
0: That's a really good question. (laughs) And I, I don't really know, because... I guess it depends on how the dreaming works, yeah. right? Could she be seeing something that has already happened, you know, with Matt? Yeah. I, assuming, assuming as she does, that Matt is a little further downriver than they are. Um, that's not, I guess that's not guaranteed, but, you know, Matt got out of town fairly quickly. Yeah. Um, now
1: He's definitely ahead of them, I would yeah. say.
0: So, I mean, it's possible it could be that one that we've already dealt with, or, I don't know, I feel like if, it, if, if it's, if Egwene is still dreaming about it, though, that it's probably something that is, you know, actively happening now, or may happen in the future. That I Matt's agree, not, I've just Matt's wanted not to done toss with that gray, out there. Yeah, Matt's not done with Grey Men yet.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, apparently no one is, because they, again, they keep popping up over and over again. Uh, gray men are the worst yeah <laughs> yep um all right moving on with the dreams there's matt riding desperately towards something unseen in the distance that he had to reach i don't really know anything about i can say about that uh anything you you got
1: not that i can say
0: not that you can say and then Matt with the woman who seemed to be tossing fireworks about, and again, okay. I got nothing. Um,
1: again, other than what Egwene puts together that it looks to be like an illuminator. That's yeah. about all there is. That's what really we would else to say about that. That's
0: what we would associate with illuminator, with, with fireworks as illuminators. Yeah. Um. And then there's these other dreams that I think have some bigger significance. I mean I'm not saying the rest of these aren't important, but there's some serious stuff going on in these other dreams and I don't think we have all the answers and I even have some ideas about them that I don't know if we can quite say yet because I don't know if things have been revealed. Um but let's just go down this list, shall we? Sure. So we got men and women breaking out of a cage and putting on crowns. Okay. <laughs> Nothing.
1: <laughs> um, Nothing
0: that can be said right now.
1: I can answer this one by the time we get to the end of this book.
0: I, I think so. Uh, yeah, that's kind of what I'm thinking too. Uh, um, and then uh, I think the next one is somewhat related. A woman playing with puppets. Uh the strings of the puppets lead to the hands of larger puppets and on and on and on it goes until the strings just vanish into the heights. Uh so you know, puppets on strings. Yep. Uh which actually now that I think about it could have a lot of different implications. Uh, because I know the Aes Sedai have been accused of being puppet masters before.
1: They definitely have been.
0: Um, But I'm sure there are probably some others out in the world that would like to play with the world like puppets as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, We got kings dying, queens weeping, and battles raging. Um, Well, if we're moving towards the last battle, that kind of thing probably um, might be expected. Of course, we already had a king die, uh, which is the reason we're seeing all of the stuff that's going on on the Kyrian border yep so uh white cloaks ravaging the two rivers uh and you know Gawain maybe chalks that one up to just being homesick yeah you know same with you know their dreams of her mother and father as well she kind of has those as just her being homesick but maybe there is something more to it I don't know And then I think these dreams are always going to be there with Egwene, the dreams of the Sean Chan, uh, which those could just be nightmares. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, With everything that she dealt with, uh, I I would be having those dreams as well. So (laughs) that's Egwene's dreams for today. And we talked about her realization of what at least one of them meant. And um,
1: and unfortunately, she's not able to do anything about it. She, Yeah, she can't
0: do anything about it.
1: In my opinion, that's the worst thing about the dreaming is so much of it is stuff that's completely beyond her power to do anything about.
0: Yeah. So. Uh, I'm gonna let you take over for a minute. I've been doing a lot of talking. <laughs>
1: Well, um, so I guess having talked about the dreams, then it brings us back to our girls on the boat. Um, things are a little bit um, high strung, because there seems to be this dynamic of foulness between Nynaeve and Egwene. Yeah, just Uh, a little bit. This tension, and Elaine is kind of caught between them. Um, which... I think we can pretty much say it has to do with the fact it's growing pains for Egwene and Nynaeve. It's Nynaeve still treating Egwene like she's a village girl and Nynaeve's the wisdom, and it's Egwene being very much, you know, that proud, I'm not a kid anymore. (laughs) Me! You know? Yeah. Uh, And so they're butting heads a lot. Um, But they don't get too much time to be... Irritated with each other before the boat comes to a grinding halt.
0: Yeah, well, let me let me let me stop you there. They still get plenty of time to be irritated with each other.
1: Well, true, because
0: Elaine comments on it several times throughout the latter yeah. part of this chapter. <laughs>
1: yeah, it, 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 at one point, I think she even gets says, "If you two don't come to terms with each other and stop, we're never going to make it to tier." Yeah. <laughs> Like and they bless her destroy heart. each other before they get there.
0: Yeah, she's trying her best. Yeah. But it's not doing any good. Um yep. now okay, continue with the uh uh the the shipwreck if you w- if you want to call yeah. it that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know any other word for it.
0: Yeah. The ship I guess it wrecks, is what it is.
1: Uh because they think they run onto a mudflat and it's actually that they hit another boat that's already been sunk. Yeah. Uh, By river brigands.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: So I guess my question here is, do we think it's accidental, or do we think that the ship was sunk on purpose to catch other ships, and that there are brigands on the way?
0: Yeah, you know, I I had thought about that, you know. My my initial thought, it wants to be that this is, you know, previous work of, you know, these brigands. And that it doesn't have anything to do with anything going on currently. I, I didn't think of it as a trap. But then there was that thought in the back of my mind that maybe somebody is trying to set a trap here. Yeah. And and the question would be for who or what? Yeah. Is it just River Brigands trying to, you know, take other boats? Or is there something a little bit more nefarious going on? Yeah. So- that's, that, that, that's my question.
1: <laughs> yeah, we also get uh Nynaeve's brashness here, where uh you know she basically decides, eh, well, the boat's stuck. We ain't got time to wait, so yeah. uh let's ditch yeah. the boat and go on foot. Apparently, yeah. because you know she's just they. I don't under. I don't ever really understand this decision here. It's yeah. like. Yes, let's wait. You know, I get it. If you waited a little bit and they were like, oh, we're still stuck then. But they're just like the minute they get stuck, it's like, well, time to jump ship. Time
0: time to go. (laughs) And and, and I wonder if it's not a little bit of, you know, what we had talked about with Perrin. You know, as opposed to Moraine and just not having been in the fight for very long and not realizing that, you know, really, you do have to play the long game. You know, yeah. it's not like they're going to get to Tyr and take out the Black Aja in two minutes, and then, oh, the world's going to be happy, happily ever after. But I, I feel like that's what they think.
1: Yeah. I think in some really regard is going to happen. Like they're going to come in, swing into Tyr. They'll find them. They're so strong in the power. They're just going to take them all easily. Yeah. yeah. Like there is definitely a lot of naivety in these girls right now in how they're. Going about things and how they think in their minds things are going to play out
0: absolutely oh. so, so yeah, it would not have hurt to wait uh even a day or two you know yeah uh the the this this battle's still gonna be going on for for some time, and uh you're just one small part in it, sister, yep, but or maybe I shouldn't say sister because they're not sisters yet,
1: no uh but uh. I guess, you know, it just goes to show they are being rash and they're not paying attention because once they get on the road, do 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 do, do, they get ambushed.
0: Well, wouldn't say ambushed. At least I don't know, not yet.
1: Well, Uh, it's it's a cliffhanger. (laughs) they are surprised.
0: Yeah, they're surprised. They allow
1: themselves to be surprised.
0: Yeah by this uh figure in brown and gray rising up from behind a bush.
1: Yeah, that sounds kind of familiar, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, it does. I was thinking that too. It does sound like um probably uh they've encountered uh Aiel. Yep. Uh, but we won't find that out for sure until next week.
1: I know. <laughs> Got to love a cliffhanger.
0: Oh, uh, yeah. How did we do that? Uh well, you're the one who makes who comes up with the uh chapter division, so I'm blaming you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it also makes you, you know, you, you're you anxious to get back in there and keep reading. Oh, yeah. Uh, so that's what I, I, I hope that uh, we can accomplish uh, as we keep going forward. Um, any final thoughts this week?
1: Uh, things are definitely ramping up.
0: Yeah. Uh, we're, you know, we're... We are
1: drawing closer to the end of this book. Yeah, we're we're building
0: toward a climax.
1: Uh, yeah, and you know, maybe at some point we all need to just go on a river cruise because apparently that's the thing to do. Uh, hey, let let's know. do
0: it. Li- live episode from the river cruise. Yep. All right, so, we're gonna well, do. We got to
1: make sure our boat is named after a bird. <laughs> <laughs>
0: boats named after birds, yep. are not the worst. No, I'm okay with it. <laughs> In fact, if I ever have a boat, I might name it after a bird. I don't know. Um, uh, we'll find I'd, out.
1: If we'd have to name it uh, the Red Eagle. There we go. The,
0: the Red Eagle. I like that. <laughs> I'm okay with that. Um, yeah, uh, a lot Any of other stuff. other
1: thoughts for you?
0: Yeah, a lot, just, I, you know, anytime we get into something that may be foreshadowing, like Eg- Egwene's dreams. Uh, I really latch into those things and want to pay attention to them. Uh, yeah. So I'm anxious to see, you know, what, if anything, from those dreams uh, comes to any kind of fruition.
1: So I think we definitely need to put a pen in this chapter and come back to it when we get to the end of this season.
0: For sure. Um, and, you know, probably when we do our uh, our season wrap. Um yep. Kind of do what we've done with men's dreams in the past, or men's visions in the past. And just kind of do a whole section of that episode looking at, maybe not looking at each one individually, but looking at any that may we may have gotten an answer to.
1: I think that sounds like so a great plan.
0: That'll be something to look forward to in a few episodes anyway. We still got quite a few left in this season, but eventually we'll get there to the end of this book, The Dragon Reborn. but. Uh, Until then, we want you to just keep coming back each time we have a new episode. Uh, We do thank you for joining us this week. And again, hope you'll come back next time. Remember that new episodes are released on Tuesdays. Uh, Just mention, you know, as we did last week, because of life situations right now, we're not going to promise a new episode every week, uh, but we're going to do the best that we can. Um, so once we can start releasing, uh, you know, once we start getting these episodes out again, hopefully we can come to you with some regularity, but just understand we could have some, some hiccups here and there. So I just want you to be aware of that. But when we do have a new episode, you can find it on Tuesday of that week, uh, to make sure that you get those episodes. When they are released, give us a, a hit the subscribe button or the follow button. It is it's on Apple Podcasts now. It's not subscribe anymore. It's follow, uh, and leave us a rating or a review. We would love to have that. Uh, helps us be a little bit more visible in you know the different podcast uh, apps. We're on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok. Uh, you can email us, uh, Stephen. You were just telling me. Uh, at the beginning of, um, uh, before we started recording tonight that we had another email from a listener, someone who had uh, just finishing up season one uh, yep. when, when they emailed us. And, uh, so as I told you, hopefully by the time they get to this point, there won't be any interruption <laughs> and they can just keep trucking right along with us. So, uh, to, uh, uh that listener that emailed us this past week, um, Thank you for your your message, and uh, anything else you want to say about that, Stephen?
1: Uh, no, just that okay. uh, you know, he was uh, seemed really excited, and it's always fun to get to uh, interact and see how much you guys are enjoying the podcast. Um, uh, that's just yeah. really a lot of fun. Yeah,
0: I really, really do appreciate that uh steven what are we going to be talking about in the next episode by the way the next episode will be episode 50 uh you know i know at one point you know we had something special planned but again life happened and so that didn't come out the way we wanted it to but still episode 50 i'm excited about that me too uh we might have to throw away the uh the stopwatch next next episode, yeah, and just record until we're done,
1: yeah, I think that sounds like a good plan we are <laughs> that might plan
0: and say so that might be how we celebrate episode fifty
1: yeah extra extra length episode Ex-
0: extra long episode maybe yeah. we'll see no promises
1: <laughs> yeah. but just so you are prepared, guys, we are gonna try and cover chapters thirty eight Through 40 next time
0: all right looking forward to it get a solution to that cliffhanger we left on uh tonight (laughs) and uh absolutely looking forward to uh continuing our reading and getting to talk about it with you buddy
1: i'm enjoying every minute of it always just wonderful to to have somebody to chat with about all this stuff that i've just had wobbling around
0: in my head for years. <laughs> Always look forward to, to getting to talk together. Well, that's going to do it for us for this week. We want to thank you all for joining us, as, as we've said already, and hope you will come back next time. Uh, until then, y'all be, be kind to one another uh, in this world. Just be nice to folks. Um, you know, just something to, to share with you there. And uh, we'll see you next time. Have a great week, everybody.
1: Have a wonderful rest of your day and a great rest of your week, folks.